How much does a producer make? Did you go to school? What did you study? What's a showrunner? I've never heard of that. What does a director do? What's the best part of your job? How do I get in? Who do I need to know? It's time to ask your questions. We're here for you. Welcome to 101, a podcast for young women interested in careers in film and TV. We'll sit down with industry professionals, ask them your questions, and get the answers you need to know. 101, it's the beginning. Hey, everybody, welcome to 101, a podcast. And today, we are so lucky to be talking to Bianca Buti. Did I do it? Yeah, you did it. <laughs> yes. Um, Bianca, her background is Italian. Your your grandfather lived in Northern Italy and then came here? Uh, actually, he moved to Switzerland, which is where my dad is from. So I'm half Swiss. Wow. With like Italian influence. Got it. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So Bianca, I'm just going to dive right in. What do you do? Uh, I'm a DP. I'm a director of photography, and I also work as a camera operator. So I do kind of both of those things. And just for our listeners, like, what's the difference between those two? So a director of photography is in charge of the overall look of whatever project you're doing, um, is in charge of the camera department and the lighting department and works directly with the director to you know, accomplish their vision. And a camera operator works within the camera department just operating the camera. So working directly with the DP and the director to hands-on use the camera to accomplish shots that are discussed or worked on. And a lot of the times as a DP, you're also the camera operator. So there yeah. is, when you get into like union stuff in the States, um, a DP must have a camera operator unless you get a, an exemption from that. So, um, but in Europe, it's different. It's like most DPs are operators. Do you have strong feelings? Like, do you have preferences? Do you prefer to have someone operating the camera for you or when you're DPing? Or do you kind um, of operating it yourself? I love operating. Um, uh, and I, when I'm DPing, I usually operate, but occasionally I'll have an operator. And when that has happened, it's it's a relief to, you know, work with another operator and then be able to just focus on lighting and I can watch the monitor and all of that stuff. So I kind of see both things are good. You know, it just, it becomes, it comes down to preferences and budget, you know. What kind of projects have you worked on? I've shot a couple of indie features. Um, I've shot a bunch of shorts, music videos. Um, I did a lot of docu-series work um, over the course of the last like 10 years. I've shot a couple commercials, stuff like that. Was there a moment for you where you just knew that this was the industry for you, that, that cinematography was your calling? Yeah, I, I've always been obsessed with movies since I was little, rewatching, memorizing things, stories. It's always been a big interest for me. And when I was in high school, I took a photography class, like a black and white, print your own photography. And I got really into it. I got really into framing. I got really into taking pictures. I got really into developing my own photographs. So it was really kind of a love for photography with kind of like this uh background in film and when it came time to go to college I was like I mean I'm most interested in this so I decided that I was going to go to film school um and still continue with photography I'm also interested in painting and drawing too so I took courses in all of those places and then 
it was in college. I, I actually remember the moment where I worked on, I volunteered on this indie movie that was shooting in San Francisco, which is where I went to school. And I was a PA, like I watched the truck, you know, <laughs> and they were bringing in equipment and shooting stuff inside. And I was like, this is so cool. And then like the next day I came back, worked more. And then they ended up working this super long day. And the second AC had another job that they had to do the next day. So they had to leave and they asked me to be the second AC. And I was like, I, yeah, yes, absolutely. So I got to do the slate and work with the people in the camera department. And I was just like, my mind was blown. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. All these people are awesome. And that was just kind of it. I was like, I'm sold. Wow, what an opportunity. What was like, what were you thinking when you were that age? Were you like kind of freaking out a little bit? Were you like, okay, I'm freaking out, but I'm managing it because I, I feel like that's such a young age to to jump into it. So what were you? I mean, I was so into it. And I had I'd worked on a bunch of student projects before and shot a bunch of student projects and done stuff on film. And I was like, I can do this. I, this is like my jam. Like I'm so into this. <laughs> we're prepped and ready to go for that. I was so ready to go. So you talked a little bit about the different things that you've you've worked on. I guess maybe choose the thing that you enjoy doing best, um, whether it's films or you know what yeah. have you. Can you kind of just map out like what a typical day is like for a cinematographer? Okay. I guess your first question: What I like working on is I like working on scripted film you know I like I like movies I like the format I like two hours I like everything that's involved with that and what is involved in a full like prep pre-production and shooting is a lot it's a lot of work it's like you know pre-production involves deciding how you're gonna shoot the movie with the director um, deciding on what kind of shots you're gonna do whether it's movement or still or you know what's happening within you're kind of imagining what's going to happen in the movie so I actually just was working with this director that we have an upcoming project together and I just spent a week we worked out the whole shot list of the movie so that's super fun for me that's like one of my favorite parts because it's like the dreaming part of it you get to imagine and think oh if I had all the time in the world and all the money in the world I could do all these cool things when the reality comes around and you're shooting it it you have to pare it down quite a bit, but um, the dream is cool. So, and in pre-production, that's when you do all your hiring, you organize all your equipment, you break down the script of what you're gonna need on what days. Um, sometimes you'll need big equipment, so you can only rent it for a certain amount of time. So you have to make sure that that gets picked up and delivered to set and all of that kind of stuff. So all of that and all of the location scouting, you gotta go to all the locations, figure out all the logistics of that yeah and then going into production is that's my favorite part I actually don't really like pre-production because there's like this anticipation of things about to happen or things going to happen and you know things are going to go wrong you know things are going to be crazy you know hours are going to be nuts you know you're going to forget all the things you wanted to do in the beginning but it's super fun Production is fantastic. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do, which is riding on set, making sure the camera department knows what's going on for the day. Every day is a different approach. Every day is going to be new challenges, new problems, all of those things. Um, yeah. And then making it happen, that moment where you've set everything up and the actors come to set and you just make those moments. And that's, that's beautiful for me. That's like one of my favorite moments.
Um, and then through the course of production, you know, it, every day is packed full of stuff and you get more and more tired as the end of the production comes around and you're really happy on the last day where you're like, I get to sleep finally after this is over. <laughs> so yeah, I usually get sick right after we wrap and then I sleep for a week and then I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you talked about how in pre-production you, you, you dream and you create, like, if I had all of these things, like, this is what we would do. Yeah. Um, and then it changes a little bit once you're actually doing it and you see, like, the, the confines under which you're working. So how do you navigate that? Like, you know, cause our listeners are young, they're just starting out. And yeah. of course they, they enjoy dreaming and, oh, if we had this and if we had that and like, how do you grow as an artist and kind of like creatively problem solve? That's a big complicated question. Um, I would say that, you know, you try to keep as much of the dream as you can while you're shooting with knowing, you know, that you're going to have limitations and challenges, you know, piece of equipment didn't show up. Somebody didn't make it to set. Like, you know, there's always going to be something. We ran out of time, the sunset, whatever, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so you, this is another one of my favorite parts of this job is like, yes, you have this dream, you try to execute it and you have to be on your toes about how to problem solve the entire time. Like there's not a moment, there's not a shot where there's not something that's an issue. And you really just have to focus on what's important. You know, you have to, before you go into shooting, it's really great to just go over your project so many different times and figure out what are the moments that are most important in this project? Like what do I, what are we gonna really spend our time on and what are we gonna, you know, maybe just get through and maybe not use in the end. You have to really be specific about that because those moments come up a lot. Um, and so you have to pick and choose the moments where you're like, we're going to spend the extra time it takes to get this complicated shot or get this thing to happen because that's important. And it's good to, in pre-production, be specific about that because while you're in production, you're tired, you're overworked, there's so much going on, you forget about who you are and where you are and what you're doing. So you could write all those things down and be like, oh yeah, in my notes, I said this was really important that we do this one shot. So we should do that. Yeah, you have to be honest with yourself um, as the creator, what's doable in the time allotted. Yeah, and you gotta be prepared to let some stuff go, you know, yeah. and also be prepared to fight for what you think is important because there's gonna be a lot of people being like, hey, we have to move on. And you have to be like, no, this is really important. We have to get this shot. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a constant conversation. Now you mentioned you did go to film school, right? I did. Mm -hmm. So what uh, made you make that decision and what benefits and maybe things that might've held you back potentially from going or, um, yeah, just tell us about the, the, the positives and negatives of going to film school just for anybody who is thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I had a great time in film school. I met a lot of cool people. I made a lot of cool films, worked on a lot of projects, watched a lot of movies. That was one of the coolest parts is we had a big theater and they were just playing movies all the time. And all the professors were super into film and film studies. And so we got to take films apart and discuss them. And that part was really cool. 
Um, did it really help me in my career? I'm not entirely sure that it did, but it certainly helped me in my life, you know, as far as like being analytical about films and um, being able to talk about them, which is a big part. A lot of, a lot of filmmaking is a lot of talking. <laughs> you know? And I did get some experience, you know, setting up lights, getting familiar with C-stands and, you know, what kind of lights were. And it was a good introduction, but I learned more working on my first film as a PA than I did probably my entire career at school. You know, you just, you just, practical experience is so important and you can learn things in theory, you know, until the cows come home, but until you actually do it, that's when it like sinks in, that's when you get it, that's when you understand the functionality of all these things that are coming together to like make this moment happen. Um, I wouldn't deter anybody from going to film school. I think it's wonderful. And it's also important to make those connections. And I know there's quite a few film schools that a lot of people, you know, come out of the gate already connected to producers and directors and stuff like that. So there are, there are good things about it, but there's a lot to be said for practical experience. I agree. When I was in acting school, you have you're in this like insulated perfect world of like prepping and doing all of these things in like quiet you don't have like a grip standing next to you as you're about you know it's like so different than actually doing it on set so I'll never forget that first like gig that I got and you're like oh where's my room to prepare <laughs> Which leads us to our next question. So you talked a little bit about when you were a PA. What was your first gig? Was that your first gig or? Like being paid. Like being paid for <laughs> yeah. what you so did. So right out of college, I um, worked on this music video for a friend of mine <clears throat> as a second AC. And he had got this kind of like up and coming DP to shoot his music video. And, and the DP really liked me. So he was like, I have this feature that I'm shooting, you know, if you're interested, I'd, you know, throw your name in the hat or whatever. And I, of course, was like, yes, please. That sounds awesome. So I was actually pretty lucky because I had just moved to LA and he called me and hired me for this two camera indie feature starring Bai Ling. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but she was kind of big in the 90s. Anyway, the whole camera department where there were all union guys too. It was like union operators, union first. I was this like fresh newbie second AC. I didn't know what an eyepiece leveler was. I didn't know what anything was. They'd be like, go get this thing. I'd be like, okay. You know, I'd run and I'd look through the bag and be like this. And they'd be like, no, like, this, no. Like, no. <laughs> and they really schooled me hard. You know, they hit the slate out of my hand when I bring it into the shot. You know, if I didn't put it in the right space, they would make fun of me. If I didn't know what lens we were on and where to put the slate according to what lens we were on, they would be pissed at me. I mean, it was a, it was a learning experience. Um, and two cameras is a lot to prep and they helped me a lot, but I, I, I learned so much during that film. And that was, I mean, I think we shot for two months. I can't really remember now. But we went to all these different locations. We shot in this abandoned um, hospital. I mean, it was it was nuts. It was I'd never worked so much in my whole life. I mean, I was exhausted and I was super happy and I was learning so much. And from that job, I got other jobs. You know, I met everybody in the camera department. And then the next three features, I was a, a camera loader because we were still shooting film back then. Um, and 
yeah, I just, and then I just started ACing and kind of working my way up in that way. And it's really about like connections with people. If you can get along with people, if you can, you know, be tolerable on set, if you're interested, if you're, you know, quick to help, all of that stuff is really important. And I learned that on my first film that I worked on. Uh, it was, it was a crazy time. <laughs> I was like, this is nuts. People do this for their jobs every single day. I love this. <laughs> It's like total chaos, controlled chaos. And you're working with a bunch of like carnies that are just traveling around, like working on films. I mean, it's just, it's bananas. So I had a great time and I totally love doing it. I feel like everybody focuses on the craft and the art and they forget to talk about relationships and, you know, just etiquette about being in a working environment um you mm. mentioned a couple different things but like for the person that's listening right now who's going for their first gig or or looking to get hired like what are like three characteristics that you look for now but like that you made sure that you did when you got your first job yeah good question um it's really i look for if i'm hiring somebody who's young I like hiring young people because they're into it. Like if you're into it and you're excited about it, that's the most valuable thing, honestly, on a film. Somebody who's like willing to just be there and is happy about it, it that's huge. You know, you don't want to hire the grumpy person who's like, oh, I'm too good to do this or I don't want to move that box. Or you want the person that's like jumping in, doing more than you're asking them to do. It's like kind of like playing a sport where you want to anticipate the move. You know, you want to anticipate on set what your team is going to need. If you're in the camera department, if you're in the lighting department, it's like you be there with the thing in your pocket already to be like, oh, I have this thing. <laughs> like you want that person who's like doing the most. That's that's what I would recommend and what I do look for. And when I talk about, you know, hiring people with you know, the production team, it's always like, we would rather hire somebody who is thirsty and hungry and is excited than somebody who's like tons of experience and is an asshole and doesn't want to do their job anymore. Yeah, that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> no. It doesn't yeah. make it a fun environment to come to work every day. hundred <laughs> yeah. yeah. percent. For kids and, and students who are looking to become a DP, what would you say is like the best resource or the, the best way for them to try and get their first gig? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to go about doing that. If you really want to get into DPing, you just have to shoot. You know, you got to shoot as much as you can. You got to take every project. You got to volunteer. You got to. The thing about DPing is, is like, it's hard to practice on your own. You kind of have to be involved in projects in order to you know, try out things you want to do or, you know, get better at what you're doing. Of course, like there is the route where you are a camera assistant, you're a second, you're a first, you become a camera operator. You know, by the time you're done being a camera operator, you've been on set a ton of times. You've seen how other DPs have lit stuff. You kind of get a better sense of what you're doing. So that's that's the like traditional route of, of becoming a DP. But you can also just get out there and shoot stuff and play around with lights and shoot your friends' projects. Anything like that would, would work. But I, I think the traditional route of the like, 
being on set and being able to observe what other people are doing. And, you know, I don't know if you get in some sort of like mentorship or something that's helpful too. So. Yeah, that's ideal. <laughs> yeah. You just every, every project you learn something on, which is awesome. And every project's different. I so. love that idea of um, learning something from every project. I think that it's great to, to see it as an opportunity to continually learn. Um, and I think that framing for people coming into the business is important too, because it's important to keep learning and growing and getting better. What would you say is the best part of your job? I think probably working with really creative people and yeah, but I, it just is always something different. I'm always in a new place. I'm always in a new situation. I'm always, it's just, it, it doesn't become mundane or boring. I mean, I guess if I worked on a one set in one room for a long time, it would be boring, but which I did shoot a movie like that. We just shot all in one room and I was like, I hate this. This is boring. <laughs> we made it interesting, but it was challenging. Um, but I like that it's, you're always going to this beautiful place to shoot because that's where you shoot stuff where it's beautiful and you spend the whole day there or you're, you know, it's just always something fresh. I like the freshness of it. And the people that I work with are smart and creative and love excitement and are really hard, dedicated workers. And I love that. What would you say is the most difficult part of your job? Um, the most difficult part is maybe not having enough time or resources to do the things that you want to do. That's really challenging and frustrating when you have all this stuff that you want to accomplish and the day's over. Or, you know, you, you can't do these certain things because it's not in the budget. Um, that part to me is really hard. And the long hours, long hours are hard. Yeah. How do you move past that when you're in a situation where you know the specific thing that you want to do and like, how do you kind of manage that? Because that's another skill that, you know, I guess our listeners will probably need to rather than get fixated on something like how do you learn to kind of roll with the punches? That is a lifelong lesson. I don't, I don't know how to answer that other than sometimes you just gotta let it go. You know, you gotta keep your priorities clear in your mind. And like I said before, fight for the things that are important and let the other things just slide because a lot of it is letting it slide. Because at the end of the day, you have to complete a project. You can't just be fixated on one thing. It's a, it's, you have to keep the whole thing in your head rather than just get myopic about it. I think that's important. Thank you. So we think this next question is very important specifically for women, but also for creatives as a whole. If you could talk a little bit about like the range and pay for someone who's starting out as a DP, someone who, you know, gets a little bit further along in their career, um, we want women to feel comfortable talking about money and talking about what they're worth. Yeah. I mean, there's such a range, you know, when you're starting out as a DP and it really depends on the project. Like if you're shooting your friend's feature, you know, you might be making a hundred dollars a day, you know, feel good about that. Cause you're also adding to your resume. It's not always just, you're just getting paid to do something. You're like, 
it's almost like someone's paying you to like go to school <laughs> you have to kind of like look at those projects that you're shooting for free or shooting for a hundred dollars a day but you know it goes up like once you get a couple of projects under your belt and you can negotiate a little bit more you're probably not going to have an agent who's going to be negotiating for you so when you get into indie features i mean you can it's there's not a lot of pay there either like you're making probably 500 to a thousand dollars a day like a thousand dollars would be great for an indie feature but it's usually around like 500 650 750 something like that and that goes for like a lot of docuseries stuff too like an average DP pay on a docu-series is probably $750, $800 a day. And then commercials are a little different because you get paid a little bit more because they're shorter. Um, so you could be making anywhere, you know, from like $800 to $2,000 a day, depending on what the project is. And of course, the more experience you have, the more you're going to be making, the more you can ask for. You know, and so it, it comes along with, yeah, maybe your first couple of jobs, you're not sure how much you should be making. But once you kind of get a couple of projects under your belt, then you kind of understand what you can ask for. And it's it's hard because, you know, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people who want to do your job. So a lot of it is relationships with producers, with directors that, you know, um, and then kind of fighting for what you can get paid. And I mean, I remember when I started making like 500 a day, I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> anyway, so it, it, it just, it really varies. It changes so quickly. And then, the, you know, if you ask for too much money, then they're like, oh, we don't want to hire you. You don't own a camera or whatever. That helps when you have a camera and you have a little leverage and you can include that in your day rate or your package. Yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah, yeah. do you uh, do you have a, a package or a few packages that you offer to your directors? I actually don't. And I, I just, you know, technology changes really quickly. And yeah. I like to use kind of like the whatever state of the art is at the moment. So I haven't invested in anything like that. But for the DPs that I know that have invested in that, it's a good you know, you get a rental on top of your salary. So right. it's a good move if you can afford it and, and want to do that. And I know people, you know, sometimes I talk to production companies and they're like, oh, you don't own your own, own equipment. Like, nope, that's just, it's going to be an additional rental. And like, can't understand why I wouldn't have my own stuff. But <laughs> oh, I understand because yeah, as you said, it's always evolving and changing and like, what you got yesterday is tomorrow's trash. So it's like, absolutely. <laughs> so but I think for people starting out, you know, if I were talking to an audience of young people, it's a good idea if you can afford it. It's not necessary. You don't have to own your own equipment, um, but it's a, it's a bargaining point. How do you guys feel about negotiating and do you think it's important? And, you know, how do you determine if you should push a little bit more or, you know, kind of, know that this is what they have and that's the end of it if, again it's like it's specific on, on on what's happening if you know the production company if you can really ask somebody be like honestly like what's in the budget and it really comes down to what's in the budget um sure if they're in between a rock and a hard place and they really need to hire you for something you might have a little bit more leverage i remember i didn't want to do this one docuseries job i really didn't want to do it so i was like 
I made my price high. I was like, they're never going to offer me this. I'm like, I won't do it unless you pay me a thousand dollars a day. Didn't think they were going to do it because they were offering me 750. And then they were like, okay, we'll call you back. And then they called back and they're like, okay, we'll do it. I was like, what? <laughs> no, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you can do stuff like that when, when you don't want it so badly, you know, you can really like up your leverage. But most of the time I want to do the project. So I'm like, I usually buy what they're selling because I believe that people are telling the truth and maybe that's, I don't know, not a good place to be in, but I'm usually like, yeah, this is what's in the budget. Maybe there's a little flexibility. Sometimes you can do a little flexibility if you have rentals and you can adjust things from there. But, you know, if something feels like you don't want to do it for a certain amount of money, don't do it. I think it comes down to like a gut feeling too, where you're like, oh, it seems like low. <laughs> then I think it's good to be like, I actually, no, I'm not going to do it for this much money. I think I, my rate is this thing, but it's, you know, talking about money is, it's hard. It's hard. But if you never say no to people, then the rates will never change. So yeah, you have a, you have a good point. <laughs> yeah. Kate and I ask each of our guests, um, what do you feel needs to change in this industry? Things that are problematic for you, your, your position, your job, or just things that you've noticed over the years? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest issue is the long hours, you know, which the union is fighting to get us better hours. It's just, it's tricky though, because there is so much to do every day. So I understand why there's long hours and everything takes a really long time. Um, it would be nice to have it capped at a certain amount with the expectation that they would add more days to a schedule. But everybody wants to shoot everything for you know faster, cheaper, easier, less people, less time. Um, so I would like to see the industry encourage longer shooting periods and shorter days. You know, 16 hour days is hard. 12 is doable. 12 is like, I feel like pretty average. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that sentiment. Definitely for not. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how you fight capitalism, but uh, we're trying. <laughs> I guess you just keep trying. <laughs> it's just like, you know, do you think it's a habit or do you think it's like, oh, this is how it's always been done. So it's just like a perpetual habit. Or do you think that there is the opportunity for change? People are seeing that it can be done differently. Well, you know, I think there are strength in numbers. And when we can come together and be like, we're not going to do it for this. It has to involve everybody though, because there's always those people that are like, oh, I'll do it for that, you know, slip in there and, you know, make it happen. But I think that if we keep asking for it, if we keep fighting for it, if we keep on it, I think we can, we can change anything. What do you think is the best advice you've received? Moving in the direction of your dreams was something that somebody said to me that I was like, oh yeah, that's good. And does it mean like moving moving in the direction is is an important part of it because it's not always about the end goal but it's moving towards that thing that you think you're dreaming about you're wanting you're desiring you think is going to be great it's to go in that way is is important and to keep doing that and to not give up I mean sure you can change your mind and be like that's not my dream anymore I want to do something else but <laughs> that's always the case it can be the case but I think yeah 
keeping keeping what it is that you want to do in your mind and and moving in that direction it's like everything matters too like everything that you're doing is really important because it's absolutely moving you in the direction of your dreams so you know being a pa starting there you know all of these other little steps everyone always thinks like giant leaps but it's all the little things in between that you learn the most so i think it's a walt whitman quote <laughs> move in the direction of your dreams um but you bring up a good point which is everything that you do is leading to something even if it feels like it's completely off the wall you know, I've done some jobs. I've jumped around. I didn't always do the camera department. I was in the art department. I like wanted to figure out, you know, other places I could, you know, learn more. Lighting department, editing, like I've done a bunch of different stuff and all of those things build on everything else. Like I thought when I, I actually left the de camera department and I went to the art department and started like set decorating and production designing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, when I came back to the camera department, all of that stuff influenced how I shot, which I wasn't anticipating and was like, oh, this is interesting that all of this stuff like kind of gets fused together. So whatever you do, it all builds to something. I love it. So this is like the least popular question. <laughs> um, everyone's like, we always get pushed back on this one, but because it is a hard question. So uh, what would you say is your favorite film or films of all time or things that have really impacted you creatively um, that have inspired you to pursue things or try things, take risks, etc.? Yeah, well, one of my favorite films of all time is In the Mood for Love, which is a Wong Kar Wai movie shot by Christopher Doyle. It's beautiful and it's a magical film and they use color and texture and the storytelling is really perfect, you know, and then music and everything just comes together. And I think that was a big influence on me and how I shoot and also like what I like creatively. Um, I love all Wong Kar Wai's films. Um, they have all that like beautiful qualities to them and they're all shot really interesting. And that and also Delicatessen is one of my all time favorite movies just because it's so imaginative and it's so creative and the camera is creative and um, yeah, everything in it is just to me like this pinnacle of film art making and what's possible because at the end of the day, film is about what's not possible. You know, we can make things happen that aren't real in real life. Um, and I love that part of it. And I love that kind of surrealistic place that it can take you to because, yeah, it gets to afford what a feeling is like rather than what reality feels like. And that part I really like. So I think films that can achieve that are my favorite. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to check Delicatessen out because I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, it's so good. Did you see Amelie? Yes. Okay, so his first movie, Pierre mm -hmm. Jeannot, yep. was Delicatessen and they they got short ends from some film that somebody else worked on and they shot the whole movie with short ends, which short ends means like, if you're shooting on film, you have these huge rolls of thousand foot magazines and, you know, you shoot most of it and then you take the end of it out because oh. you don't want to run out of film. So they take right. all of those ends, which are like 100 feet 
150 feet, which is like a minute or two. They shot the whole movie like piecemeal of all these short ends. And it's Amazing. beautiful. It's like so, it's just, it's a magical movie. Sweet. I can remember being in acting school and my teacher was like, I can't talk to you because you've never seen any of these things. And the whole class was like, okay. And one time she actually told us all to go home because we hadn't seen this thing. And it was like so dramatic, but it was like a lesson. It's like, you need to know, you need to see things, see films, see things that, you know, other people recommend and, you know, it helps inform who you are as an artist. So I always think that it is a tough question, but it's, it's important. Yeah. Um, you don't remember what the film was that she sent you home to watch? I, I don't know. It was, was um, so <laughs> it was, it was a film, was. uh, Tender Mercies with Robert Duvall. Never seen it. Okay. Thanks, Bianca. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'll have to watch it. Yeah. So, Robert Duvall. Um, anyway, thank you so much. This was oh, a blast talking to you. And okay. it's always inspiring seeing people talk about the things that they love to do. It just, it's so obvious that you love what you do. So thanks for sharing that with us and with our listeners. Thanks so much for listening to 101, a podcast, and we'll see you next time.